Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, as we go to your word, as that one song we often sing says, word of God speak. We know that the Bible is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. We know that when we take the word and hide it in our hearts, when we meditate upon it day and night, it really does change who we are, our outlooks, our attitude, our emotions. And as we carry on into the Hearing God series, God, would you let us start to hear your voice clearly? Help us to discern because we've been in your word, because we know who you are. Help us to discern when it's you and not the world, our own desires, or the devil. Let us hear your voice clearly. May our windshield be scraped clean. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray these things. Amen. So this week, if you're in hearing God, uh, you will be looking at... uh, the whole topic in the ways that God speaks to his people. And uh, I don't want to repeat that message, so I I began to think this week, well, what's something I could preach that would kind of complement or go along with it? And what happened is I'm in two mentoring groups, uh, part of the Church Renewal Network, and uh, one I'm supposed to be in and the other one I kind of jumped in with permission because it's geographically close from Fort St. John and uh, I wanted to be able to connect up with local guys. Uh, So unfortunately, it's doubled my homework and doubled my input, but it's double the output too. It's been great. So one of my groups, um, they decided to do a review. Have you ever had a teacher do that? And the review was, when I read the title, I went, oh, brother, not this again. Well, what the lesson was, was scripture memorization. And so you probably know where I'm going. And your heart's probably going, oh, brother. But I want you to listen carefully. After the first service, I had a young man come up to me. And he started off by saying, Pastor, I got laid off this week. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I need to pray for this guy. He's just heartbroken. But he didn't stop talking for 15 minutes. Because he began to chronicle how God spoke to him And he went here and he went there and he put his resume there. He was unemployed for less than, I think he said, 24 hours. And he got the exact same job, doing the exact same thing at another company. And God set it up. And and it was just the coolest story of how God leads and speaks. And as I prayed, we need to be able to discern when it's God and when it's not just us or the world or the devil trying to lead us astray. And so we need to hear his voice. So I will argue this morning, argue is a bad word, I will try to convince you this morning that instead of the, oh, not that top again, that scripture memorization is critical and key to Christian growth. Before I go on any further, I want to welcome Ramona Zacharias to the staff team. Uh, She's going to be a part-time director of children's ministry. And also you saw Brad Luna, membership. Uh, Brad was admin assistant and he's been moved to a different role as executive assistant. In other words, he took over Rhea Millwater's job as our office administrator, the head of everything there. 
because Rhea left and Brad moved into her role, we now have a job opening for a new administrative assistant. But before I could hire the guy, God spoke to him and he got a different job. And so hopefully that's your case if you're in that. We truly know that reading scriptures, and you guys know one of my favorite memorized verses is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And we know that the passage says that we're not to conform any longer to the patterns of this world. And as I said last Sunday, how do we know what's the patterns of this world? You are likely sitting here, you're Canadian. Not everybody, but most of you were raised in Canada. Some of you out east, some of you, like myself, in the peace country. And you couldn't see our culture for looking at it because it's who you are. Has anybody ever traveled to another country? I'll even say the Americans, if you've traveled to the States. I love to tease Brad. He's an American, grew up in Texas. And so I tease him all the time about his culture. But when you go to another culture, isn't it different? I mean, Latin America, my goodness, when they have church. I mean, I'm always shocked here because we start at quarter after, and I, I glanced around this morning and went, hmm, not very full today. And then I got up to preach and went, where did you all come from? In Latin America, it's even worse. They kind of wander in and out of the service. They don't care if it's three hours long, because if it's too long, they'll just leave. It's part of their culture. And clocks, they don't care about clocks and time. It's all about relationship. But I remember I sent a businessman from my last church down to Ecuador to try to work out some stuff to help pastors. He got driven crazy. He was meeting with business people and they would want to meet. He would set up an hour-long appointment and he'd end up being three hours because it's all about relationship. You see, we have no idea. How do we not conform with the patterns of this world? Unless we have something that kind of measures and weighs and teaches us, we won't get it. And even at that, we have such blind spots. And we as a church, we need to be culturally sensitive. Did I ever tell you the story in my last church? I had a clock on the, oh, there's a clock on the wall there, sort of. They had a clock in the back wall, and I got so mad at it one day, I jumped up and down after the service and crushed it after everybody left. I didn't, and everybody kept going, where's the clock? And I'm like, I don't know. It just disappeared. <laughs> and then I went to Ecuador, and I noticed that they were, didn't care about time, and I came back to Canada, and God looked at me and said, you were so culturally sensitive in Ecuador. And I'm like, yeah, aren't I good? You're not so culturally sensitive in Canada. <laughs> so I went out and bought a clock and I put it back up. <laughs> see, we don't see our own selves. We don't see our own culture. And I love how Michael started out the story. Most of us are looking through just a little scrape in the windshield. And how do we understand or how do we transform our minds? How do we recognize the lies that we've believed about ourselves good old soul care stuff if you haven't been through that. How do we recognize the lies the world's teaching us? What does our world say is the root or the pathway to happiness? I think it's a Volkswagen Beetle. I'm sure of it, right? I have a Volkswagen Beetle if you didn't know. Some of you would say it's a Ford pickup truck. Some would say it's owning a big house, having a beautiful wife or a handsome husband. So often, those coming to Christ are brought under a false pretense. Get saved, 
and God will take care of all your problems. What a shock to new believers when they find that living in the kingdom is really more like enlisting in, enlisting, enlisting in and doing battle with a vicious enemy. You probably know that Satan follows no rules of war and he attacks us on three fronts. He attacks us in our flesh, our ingrained desires due to the fall of man. He attacks us through direct assault in our thought life or, or even more direct and he attacks us through enticement of the world. Sometimes a Christian soldier looks at civilian life and says, that lifestyle looks attractive. I, I like the glitter of materialism, uh, the pleasure for sexual immorality, the quest for self-fulfillment. This, friends, is how Satan tries to divert our attention from the priorities of the kingdom of God. We, friends, we need God's word, and we need to memorize it. We need to meditate upon it. I have done this off and on over the years, and honestly, I'm getting old. And memorization isn't as easy as it used to be to me. But this morning, despite my own excuses, I want to give a few points as to why memorizing the Bible is important. So point number one, memorization is an extension of meditation. Joshua 1.8, a lot of you have even memorized this. It says, do not let this book of the law, and I'll translate that for you, do not let this Bible, Old and New Testament, <coughs> depart from your mouth. Meditated, meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do everything written in. Then, and you might think this is a complicated thing, but it isn't. Then you will be able, oh, my thing just jumped. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, so many of us pay so much money for self-help courses and classes. We go to a feel-good seminar. We go to how to eat right or whatever it might be. And here it is, so simple in Scripture. Let the Word of God dwell in your heart. Meditate on it day and night. You know, when the early Jews read this passage, they actually put boxes on their forehead they strapped them with a, a cloth, and they would have a scripture sitting in there. It kind of reminds me of a story I'm going to tell you a little later on. Uh, they had this idea that somehow, if just the word of God and a little scroll was on their forehead, then they were meditating on it day and night. And I will tell you, that's an easy way out. Deuteronomy 30:14 says, the word is near you. How could the word be near you? I mean, we have our devices, sure enough, and they're always in our pockets, so the word technically is near you, but are you meditating on it day and night? The word is near you. It's in your, not your pocket, it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. So you may obey it. 
In meditation, what we do when the scriptures describe that, we chew on the same passage really carefully over and over. That's how you meditate. You read it. You pray about it. You think about its insides and outs. And you can do deductive, Bible study, whatever it might be. But you need to spend some time with the Word. You need to understand it, let it into your heart. In memorization, you continue this until you can repeat it from memory. Now, years ago, when I used to ride a dinosaur to school, I was a camp counselor at Camp Sagatawa, way out in Moberly Lake. In fact, it was so long ago, they hadn't even been there that long. They used to be where they called Rock of Ages, down at, uh, near Dawson Creek there, at the Kiskatna River. Um, so the camp hadn't even been there, maybe 10 or 15 years, out at Moberly Lake. And for the summer, now I had just started, this is in between grade 11 and 12, I had just started going to church in grade 10, so a year and a half, two years. I decided to be a camp counselor, and the director that summer, one of the things he did, so for the whole summer, for every week of camp, we went through the book of John. Now we focused on just five passages in the book of John. And the five passages we focused on were all the I am's. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the door. All the I am's in the book of John. I had to memorize those passages. And every day I had to preach or teach to my cabin one I am. It was brilliant. It was powerful. It's the first time the Word of God went into my heart and I understood it. Interesting, as I was preparing this week, I have always had a passion for evangelism. I wonder why. I wonder if it has to do that God put the Word in my heart and I understood it. And understand who Jesus is. That he is the way, the truth, and life. He is the light of the world. I understood all that and it's always been burning there, deep within me. That the lost need saved. That they need Jesus. They need the light. They need their windshield scraped clear. They need their sins forgiven. Did you notice something in Joshua 1.8? It says to meditate day and night. Honestly, that's really difficult to do if it isn't in your mouth and your heart. If the word is in your mouth and heart, you can meditate on it when you're doing house chores, washing dishes, driving long distances, sitting at a red light, sitting in a waiting room. I understand the guy that does our lights in town comes to our church, so, but boy, do I ever sit a lot of red lights. And waiting rooms, we have a lot of doctors in our church, so I don't want to go there, but I could be meditating, putting into my heart whatever scripture passage I've been doing. We could do it when we're standing at the checkout lines. And boy, I was at Costco the other day, they had checked. Or, or maybe waiting at the car wash lineup because we're all there polishing our idols, right? Uh, give it a minute, you'll think about it. Or maybe waiting in a fast food wait-up line, waiting to board an airplane. During the flight, we could be meditating on the Word, waiting for your baggage before you fall asleep. When you wake up at 4 a.m., you could be meditating on Scripture. Or if you can't sleep. Now, a few years ago, when I started dating my wife, I remember 
I would be spending time with her, and then I would go home, and I'd lay in my bed, and guess what I'd be thinking about? I'd be thinking of every word she said. I'd be thinking about how she tossed her hair back, how beautiful blue eyes were in that blonde hair, and I'd be thinking, well, what words do, oh yes, she told me about how she was born in Ecuador, and I'd be thinking, oh, that's so cool, and I couldn't wait to talk to her again to find out more about her story, and I'd go home, and I'd lay in bed, and I'd think about how she smiled at me that day, and she told me the story of when she went driving with her friend Donna in Saskatoon, and they were in a standard car, and her friend didn't know how to drive a standard, so Carolyn shifted the gears, and her friend did the clutch and steer. Can you imagine? I, I remember going home thinking about that and just smiling, going, oh, I just, oh, Carolyn's so cool and so wonderful. I still cherish my conversations with Carolyn. Oh, we've been married for a few years, so sometimes it's like, you never take the garbage out, Anthony. So I ponder that. And I start taking out the garbage more. Can I ask you something? Are you in love with God? Does your face show it? Does your actions reveal it? What's coming out of your mouth? Point number two, benefits of memorization and meditation. God says there are significant benefits from memorizing and meditating on the Bible. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law, or this Bible, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. There it comes again. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Listen to this. This is exciting. For then, ye, for then you, will, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Friends, the Bible is scraping your windshield clean. It's helping you find that next job when you get laid off. God said the same thing through the psalmist in Psalm 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but... His delight is in the law of the Lord, in the Bible, in the words in there. And on his law, the Bible, he meditates, here it comes again, day and night. He is like a tree. This is exciting. You want to be watered. You want to have excitement. You want to have growth in your life. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Okay, we got fall. I was getting a little depressed when Michael was talking about things dead. But your leaf will not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You know, even stripping God out of the picture. When you start treating your employees with integrity and honesty... When you start treating your customers like they're human beings and that you want them to actually return, the scriptures help you. You will prosper. When you move out of our culture and we start being who God's called us to be, you will notice in these passages it isn't just meditating. It's not just like kind of sticking it in your heart, but I would argue when you meditate and stick it in your heart, when the words of God are on your lips, 
you'll actually obey it. You'll actually do what it says. Uh, my, Beber, my Bible memorization this week, when I got over the fact that I was talking about memorization again, so I wrote up Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and I put it on the steering wheel sort of of my car. Now, if you're a policeman, don't listen anymore. <laughs> or if you see a black beetle, it's not me driving, don't pay attention. <coughs> so Matthew 6, 19, as I've been memorized, now my problem is I have the King James in my head, the New International Version, and this is the ESV version. And I had a good talk with somebody about that later. You can talk to me later if you wonder about it. But this passage, as I've memorized it, it's all over the place, and I'll try not to look, but I'll just start. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy. Now, I'm going to get mixed up, so be patient with me. Where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. And one of the translations says, but instead, but I know the ESV doesn't say that. Got to look. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this has been in my head this week. So you can imagine when I see the commercial of the new Volkswagen, I get tempted by Ford Diesel sometimes too, I admit it. Or that nice vacation, especially as it's getting yucky out, somewhere warm and sunny. Do not lay up for yourselves and it comes into my mind, we're moth and rust. My very first car, my brand new, you know, that new Volkswagen that I craved, my first brand new car, I bought it off the lot in Lloydminster, it was a Nissan 200SX. It's sitting in a field in Fort St. John, up on blocks, rusted right out. It's true, moth and rust. You know, my parents both have passed away, there's nothing left. I mean, I've got a few trinkets in my house, their house is sold, the bank account's empty, there's nothing left. I mean, I have my memories, but they're starting to fade. I'm getting old. I'm not meaning to depress you. I'm just trying to say, friends, let's focus on the right things. My memory verse has checked my materialism this week. So the benefits of meditating and memorizing in the Bible. Number one, I'm going to give you a few. It changes your perspective. Romans 12, 2, we've already gone through that. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. And you're going, why is my life so terrible? You know, I have people across my desk, and they tell me their story, and then they come back in two years, and they tell me their story, and it's just the same. And it's kind of that old adage, you know, you keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. It's not a very smart man or woman. Read the Word of God. We're locked in our culture. We're locked in the thinking. We, we let Satan in so much, and we need to counter it with some good truth. Number two, it transforms your behaviors, making you successful. There's a big reason why people cannot change their thoughts, emotions, and attitudes, their behaviors, and their speech. We're not to just put off certain sinful practices. That leaves a big void, to be honest. I remember talking to my mom about her cigarette smoking. I'd say, Mom, when you try to quit smoking, don't just put it off. 
you've got to put on something good. And she'd go, yeah, I'll put on pounds. I'll just start eating. i say, no, Mom, find something. Your cigarette smoking, it's addressing an emotional need you have. It's making you feel good. The nicotine going, now if you're a smoker, I'm probably getting you craving, but the nicotine going in. You, you need to come up with an alternative, something healthy. Eat a carrot of celery or something. A carrot of celery. There's a new vegetable for you. We're supposed to put off certain practices and put on or clothe ourselves with thoughts, emotions, and attitudes, behaviors, and speech that were characterized by Christ. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit, you guys know it, don't you? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. I was talking to an older pastor, it was a couple years ago, and he told me a story of a man in his church, and I think it was even in the leadership. He got so mad at the pastor, he came to the pastor one day, and he said, I'm going to kill you. Do you think he read Galatians 5? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Do you think he was walking in the spirit at all? In one of the churches I pastored, in the 1950s, one of their annual meetings ended in a fist fight. Do you think the Holy Spirit was there? Do you think the, the word was on their mouth? Do you think the word was in their heart? Do you think they understood Galatians 5? Yesterday I stopped by a construction site. It's a family in the church that's having to move out of their house and move into another situation, and it's really tough, actually. And I was out there kind of with one of the elders. We wanted to assess and see where things were at and how things were going because we as a church, we need to love each other and help each other. And what thrilled me, what even surprised me is it was somebody from our church out there. They had their little carpenter apron on, hammer out. They were putting a skirt around a trailer. I went up to him and I said, why are you here? And he kind of looked at me with a, why are you here? And he said, I just came because I knew there was a need. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, patience, goodness. Do you think the Holy Spirit was there? Do you think the word of God was on his lips and in his heart? Oh, don't get me wrong, I'm not perfect. I'm memorizing scripture, and, and even when I'm not perfect, because I'm memorizing scripture, because the Holy Spirit's in me, I can tell you, anybody that works close with me, they know I lose it sometimes. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I say words that aren't so good. Sometimes I get defensive. But I go away, and even recently, in one of my moments when I didn't behave right, I went to my wife and I said, I feel so ashamed. And she goes, exactly. She said, the Anthony I know, the Holy Spirit always speaks to you in his word. And you always come right. You always make it where it should be. So if I'd have been in the fist fight, or, or maybe the guy that threatened the pastor, I would have eventually come and said, you know what, I was wrong. The word of God has corrected me and I am sorry. And I sure hope that we can be that kind. Can you imagine what our community would think of us if we started behaving, if we were bosses that read the word of God, that we treated people and our customers right? Or we're employees 
And instead of saying, hey, I'm going to slough off for the next hour, we actually went and found something to do because the Holy Spirit's speaking to us. Number three, it revives your emotions, making you emotionally whole. Oh, we don't like to talk about emotions, especially all of us. I was raised by a German, and a lot of you are Germans. A lot of Europeans, we just don't talk, oh, we like anger, that's a different one. We let anger out, that's okay. But the Word of God, it can revive our, listen to Psalm 4, verse 7. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. 1 Peter 1.8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible joy. Ephesians 3.17, and I pray that you being rooted and established, how do you think that happens? I can tell you that my wife's a little bit like me and I'm a little bit like her now. Because friends, we are rooted and established in love. And I hope you have that relationship with God. I hope you hear his voice. I hope you memorize his word. I hope it's in your heart. I hope you understand it. Verse 18, may have power. Do you want power? I'm not talking about an evil, maniacal power that wants to control people but a power that's rooted in love, that has a love, joy, peace, patience, kind a power together with all the saints to grasp how, how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is. Do you know his love? Have you believed lies of who God is? Have you got these bad recordings in your head? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Friends, we are called to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How do we know our thoughts? How do we reveal the lies that we've believed? How can God heal our souls? The Bible must be in our hearts. It must be on our lips and ready for action. Number four, when we start grasping and memorizing the Bible, it prevents the devil from snatching the word from your heart. Matthew 13, 3, you all know this story probably. It's a parable of the seeds thrown on the soil. Jesus saying, he said, then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Later, the Lord explained the parable in, in verse 19. He said, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, well, so that would be the word of God, and does not understand it, in other words, it's not in your heart, it's not on your lips, the evil one comes, snatches it away, what was sown in his heart, and this is the seed sown along the path. So how is the devil able to snatch away God's word? You can hear the word and not let it penetrate the soil of your heart. You just drift in and out of church, listen to the messages, but never intentionally do something with what you've heard. Ooh, the book of James has lots to say about that. So then, the devil is able to snatch it away. And you forget what you've heard. Friends, we need to meditate. We need to memorize 
on God's word. And the devil can't snatch it away. It's in your heart where he can't get it. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden, or as the NASB translation says, I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It is about really pondering and understanding to cause God's ways to embed in your heart so the devil cannot snatch the thoughts or truth out. Jesus was tempted. He was on a 40-day fast. God had called him to do that. He was pretty hungry. And if you remember the story, Jesus comes along, and do you remember, I mean, Satan comes along to Jesus. And do you remember what Satan uses to try to tempt Jesus? And you probably think, turn the rocks into bread. He was using scripture out of context. And he was trying to tempt Jesus to use his power and authority, using scripture verses, to tempt him. So what does Jesus do, do you remember? Jesus knew the bigger picture. In fact, he used scripture back at the devil to rebut him. Because Jesus had the word of God in his heart. He knew what the scripture says. So number five, it helps you resist your adversary, making you victorious. Ephesians chapter six, you know this is a good warfare passage. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. And at the very end of the teaching, the different armor of God, it says in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and then it goes on to say to fight the battle. Friends, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. There's been a few times in my life I was forced to memorize lots of scripture, uh, at Camp Sagatau was one of them. Uh, and this is going to be a bit of a confession moment. Uh, did you know your pastor failed Christian life in college? I'll tell you why. And, and this finishes the story I was talking about earlier. I had got this great idea. It was sort of like the box on my forehead. For this class, it was Christian life. The entire 100% of the mark was the final exam. I had to memorize the book of 1 John. And that didn't go so well. I used to say I was a terrible memorizing, so I had heard this and read this somewhere, uh, that through osmosis, you hear where I'm going, uh, you can learn stuff. So I recorded the book of First John on a cassette, and I had it on repeat, and I put it under my pillow, and I went to sleep. The exam was the next day. I think I got 30%, because it was like, uh, finish the sentence, and it'd be like 10 words you had to finish, or in chapter two, what does it say? And I, I didn't know, I had, it didn't work. The box in my forehead, it didn't work. I'm glad to say that they let me rewrite the exam a year later, and I memorized the book of First John, and I got 98%. And did you know, to this day, the book of First John is constantly coming to my lips, because I understand it in my heart, especially chapter one has just been so cool to me. If you claim to walk in the light, but you don't love your brother, then the light's not in you. I mean, those kind of things, I mean, it just penetrates the heart. It changes my life. I had to also memorize about 80 verses through my ordination, and uh, Pastor Michael is going through that right now. 
and Pastor Wes is still working on that, and they'll make it. I had to memorize all these scripture verses. But all these verses, to this day, they still come out in my heart and my lips. I had to give testimony to this room full of big, scary pastors. Now I'm one of those big, scary pastors. But anyway, and I did okay. They ordained me. They passed me. But even more importantly, that scripture is in me now. Here's the conclusion. I want to give you some steps to memorization. And by the way, even with the hearing God stuff, I will say to people, don't get caught up in the method. But then I want to say, what's your method, though? I don't like your method. Well, what's your method? Well, I'm just going to go to church sometimes and hope I grow. No, no, what's your method? How are you going to grow in the faith? How are you going to let the Holy Spirit work in you and speak to you? How are you going to change your thoughts in your mind? How are you not going to conform any longer to the patterns of the world? What's your method? So step one, you want to memorize scripture? Pray for a desire to memorize. Honestly, that's, we read, oh, had you known the topic today, would you have come? I just snuck it in there. You had no idea. Pray for a heart that will want to memorize. I came under such conviction two weeks ago so I've only been working on one verse. And I could tell you, choose scripture verses intentionally. Don't be haphazard in the way you choose verses to memorize. Be intentional about this. Everyone will want to memorize some passages like Psalm 23. You know, the feel-good passages. God loves me. He's going to walk through the valley of shadow of death with me. And it does bring us comfort and encouragement. And these are both necessary and good, but however, they don't, Stick. Don't get yourself stuck in the comfort category. The most helpful for this are those verses that give you an eternal perspective, like the one I'm memorizing, right? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. So those are kind of really good eternal perspective ones. And number three step and this is the part that's really important, start small. But please start. I mean, like tape it, I'll give you some duct tape in a three by five car, stick it on your steering wheel, just don't let the police, they'll pull you over and go, you seem kind of distracted today, yeah, scripture verse the pastor told me to do. And then you come and hand me the ticket. I, I started thinking though, and I, I don't know what we'll do for sure, but if we could have one verse a month we try to memorize as a church, you know, in a year, we'd have 12 verses down on our lips and in our heart. We'd understand it. It would change us. Uh, so write the verses on a three-by-five card. Uh, choose a tool. This is step number four. Or, if you're really modern, use a Bible app. You know, there's one called BibleMemory.com. And uh, I had somebody come up after the first service. They had memorized with Barry Schmidt. They worked with Barry Schmidt, and they were using some nav press Bible memorization stuff, and it had word things. Uh, just, I, I don't care the method, Bible app, whatever it is on your phone, but do something, memorize it, dwell on it, meditate on it, let it soak in. I want to end with just a little quote by my favorite preacher. So I'm revealing my favorite preacher. And no, it's, I, I like Andy Stanley, and I like Greg Grishel, but this is my favorite all-time preacher, and it's Chuck Swindoll. 
Chuck Swindoll, I, I just, every time he preaches, I just love it. Listen to what he says. I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing the Bible. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened, your witnessing will be sharper, and much more effective. Your attitudes and outlook will begin to change. Did you hear that? Your mind will become alert and observant. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced. Your faith will be solidified. And I remember hearing this years ago at a Bill Gothard seminar. doesn't matter who he is, and he's kind of, I don't even know if he's alive anymore. But anyway, I remember him telling the story of Scripture memorization. And it was a guy that had had, he had done too much acid, and he burnt his brain out some way. And he couldn't remember anything, and he began to memorize Scripture. He couldn't even remember you know, how to brush his teeth in the morning and eat and get dressed. He was completely fried. He started memorizing scripture and Bill Gothard said, the scripture seemed to bring his brain back alive. So at 58, with my brain getting a little rusty, I'm getting excited about this. As I memorize, hey, I could be a little more alive. I could be more prosperous. I'm gonna be able to discern a little better when the world is attacking me, when Satan's trying to whisper thoughts to me, because I wanna hear God's words. And if I got laid off by the church, heaven forbid, I could find another job because I'm going to hear his voice just like the young man that spoke to me first service. Are you with me? Doesn't it seem to make some sense? And I'm old, and I'm doing it. Are you with me? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I think everybody here would say they're in love with you. That's why they're here. And sometime we drift in and out of church and we go, that was interesting. And by the time we get to our delicious lunch uptown, if I was to ask, what was your sermon about in church today? And we wouldn't even be able to say. But God, if we were to apply ourselves in scripture memorization, if we were to actually meditate and ponder throughout the day while we're in the lineup at the store where we're sitting at a red light, whether we wake up in the middle of the night and we start thinking about the scripture memorizations that we've done in the past or we're currently working through, oh God. I think we wouldn't have pastors being threatened with their life. We wouldn't have fist fights breaking out. We wouldn't have people who love to say they're Christians misbehaving or at least if they misbehave, they would quickly have a verse come to their mind. The Holy Spirit would have lots of material to work with when he's trying to talk to us. And so God, would you help us to have some discipline in this? Uh, this isn't earning our salvation. This isn't trying to uh, make ourselves righteous to get to heaven. This is, this is where we wanna love you and know you better. And, and we want to be able to truly know what we're conforming to. Uh, we need to have the world and its ways and thoughts revealed. Uh, we need to have our windshields clean. And so, God, may we be people of the Word. May the Word penetrate deeply in our heart. It, it is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. And, God, would, that, would your Word, would we be so in love with you when we're singing worship that scriptures just come banging in our head? Oh, God, we love you. And we want to show it on our faces and in our actions. 
we want to lay in our beds at night and ponder the way you've smiled at us, the truth you've spoken to us, the revelation you've given us. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.